The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, Danny McCoy, the CEO of IBEC, is with me to talk about the budget uh, tomorrow. And of course, we're going to have live coverage here uh, of the budget of both speeches uh, when they happen in Leinster House. And then Joe Lynham, our business editor, uh, will have all the analysis afterwards in a budget special from 2.30. And then further analysis, of course, in the hard shoulder from 4 to 7. Uh, Danny, I know IBEC would have made, uh, uh, along with many other organisations, your own uh, budget submission. What advice did you offer government? Thanks, Kieran. Well, look, like others, uh, we'd have been getting those budget uh, positions in place over the summer, but events have really rocketed on now in terms of the energy crisis um, in the last number of weeks. So probably the main uh, advice was that the resources are there to see people through this crisis that's emerging, a bit like we faced the COVID that the public finance are in strong order and it'd be an incredibly bad look for a government to be running a budget surplus when households and businesses are in distress. So really it was to go for an expansionary budget. This budget that we've been flagged now coming down the line will, will be proportionately the same scale as in the UK, uh, which everybody's quite shocked at. But the fundamental difference between the UK and Ireland is Ireland has the money. The UK is going to be running huge deficits as a result of what they're doing. We actually have the resources coming from the strong business model that we have here and the corporation tax, but also the income tax coming from the quality of jobs is helping finance it. Unfortunately, we're going to have to use this money for crisis. It would be much better if we could have used that uh, windfall for putting our society onto a much stronger path. So there is an opportunity cost to using the money uh, this way, but I think it's it's the right way to go about it. So the, in the UK, they are borrowing money to put it back into people's pockets. We're using our own money to put it back into people's pockets. Is that the best way to use the money? Literally back well, into people's pockets through tweaking tax bans? Well, I think what... Um, there's, there's two parts here, obviously. There's the addressing the, the budgetary, um, normal kind of budget, and then the kind of emergency energy response. Um, on you know, they're, they're not divorced from each other. Um, people are experiencing higher inflationary costs coming through other goods, the kind of second round effects of inflation. You have, you have your energy bills going up, electricity and gas. But also in this tight labour market, not just in Ireland, but globally, we're seeing second round effects, so-called, in that wages are going up, wage demands are going up to compensate for the higher energy. And this is kind of what, what central banks call core inflation, when you just kind of strip out food and, and energy, the kind of more volatile aspects of the basket. And we've seen that core inflation uh, go right up from about 1% towards 5 even 6% in the UK. Similarly, in the European Union, that core inflation is rising as well. So central banks are tightening the money supply now, interest rates going up to try and handle that core inflation. But the, but the more volatile inflation, I think it is appropriate that the governments actually intervene with, with budgetary policy to try to address that because a lot of those energy price spikes are a result of decisions that governments have taken not to buy gas, rightly, from Russia, given the Ukraine situation. So it's not a normal economic cycle on the energy mm. side. This is something that's been kind of induced by, as I said, morally correct decision of governments not to buy from a particular source, but it's given us this energy, crisis, energy crisis. So you don't share the concern that some economists have expressed that we, we will enter a period of stagflation where we've got a growing economy, but that growth 
is gobbled up by inflation, leaving us effectively running to stand still? Look, I think we're globally in a bad place at the moment. Our neighbours, in particular, are in an awful situation in the UK. Um, we we will see a global downturn. It's already up and running. Central banks are having to be more aggressive globally than they would have anticipated even a few weeks ago. So interest rates are going to go to higher levels than would have been anticipated even a month ago. And that's going to slow down investments, going to slow down economic activity. So there is a downturn coming. How... how does it tip into full recession? Well, it will in some jurisdictions. Britain in particular looks likely to head into a recession of outright falls. In Ireland, well, it probably in aggregate won't go into recession. We will see a downturn. But some areas um, of the economy are going to face really difficult winter. And in addition, just over, over the last 24 hours or over the weekend, we have a currency crisis as well. Um, Sterling's euro uh, exchange rate. If there's nothing else happening, that's all we'd be talking about today. Yeah. How how much of a, we actually are in a and, currency crisis with our biggest trading partner? Well, let me ask you about that. I mean, what what is your assessment of the impact of that on the economy? I mean, there was some sign of a rally earlier today. Then the Bank of England came out and said, oh, "We're not going to do anything just yet, but we are watching it closely." And sterling is weakened again off the back of it by a few pin, pence. Yeah, so look, put it in, put it in perspective. This is, uh, you know, against um, a long-term uh, benchmark, the sterling against the dollar, never in the history of that exchange rate have we seen the rates so low. You know, back back in the the days of the First World War, go back 100, it was, it was $5 to one pound sterling. We're very quickly approaching parity uh, between one, one uh, dollar, one pound. So... Right through the 20th century, sterling has been uh, depreciating, but this this is now in a zone much lower than before because internationally people are looking at Britain. And the Brexit effect is now starting to reveal itself um, as an economy that's experiencing things a lot worse than other G7 countries. Um, so for us, we're so tightly geographically, socially, political, but also economically for a lot of our SMEs and a lot mm. of our importers and a lot of households who have the same consumption diet as Britain. Um, you know, we're, go- we're going to see uh, this exchange rate be very difficult for those exporters. Good news, I suppose, on, on the import side, things will be uh, getting cheaper uh, to import into Ireland, but swings and roundabouts of that is those companies that are exporting into the market are going to find it much more expensive and probably have the double whammy. Households in Britain won't be buying as much mm. and the Irish products are going to be much more expensive. That market for a lot of segment of our particular small and medium enterprises is in for a hard winter on top of the high energy costs that they're exposed to. Oh, I mean, what is your assessment of, of what happens next and in the UK Okay, Paul Krugman uh, this afternoon was suggesting it's not a crisis uh, like the type of crisis that would prompt kind of quantitative easing or something like that. Or or he talked about the fact that, you know, the English, the state, it it doesn't owe a lot of debt in dollars. So it doesn't have the problem of having to to service that debt like a a company might. So I suppose he was kind of playing down uh, uh, expectations of severe crisis. Well, look, uh, also the Bank of England has got an independent monetary policy so that they can actually print more sterling uh, for their own debt. They'd have done that during COVID. The problem is 
that international markets believe that the economy itself is fundamentally um, being impaired by their Brexit decisions, um, including their labour market in, in the absence of uh, Eastern European labour is really biting. So they say this artificial tight labour market because there aren't enough people, yet economically they're underperforming at the moment. And so international investors will be worried about getting their money back. And so they're looking for a much higher premium on interest rates. So when they take the budgetary decision like we're going to do tomorrow, they're not insulated from the, the market's reaction to that like we are being part of the Eurozone. The markets are going to push up the interest rates, stagnating their economy, while at the same time they're pumping money into the economy to try and get it growing. So um, you know, Britain is in a really tight pinch right now where their credibility mm. is really being brought into doubt. So if we could just, even last week, Markets were expecting the Bank of England to perhaps put up the interest rates in the UK by three quarters of a percentage point. They actually opted for a half percentage point, less than was expected. Lots of people read that as the Bank of England could see that their economy was already starting to slow down and that inflation, would get, you know, price inflation would get squeezed out by the fact that the economy was going into a recession. Today, the markets, in response to that budget they put in, are saying that the Bank of England needs to put up interest rates even further. Um, and so the Bank of England, even within a week, are now in a position where they're being asked to actually slow down their economy even more because of the credibility mm. problem for people getting their debt repaid. Uh, just back to matters domestic before I let you go, uh, Danny, and the government obviously are going to focus on who is going to be better off uh, tomorrow off the back of all of this. Uh, the hospitality industry, though, it looks likely that their VAT rate is going to go up. It's going to be allowed expire. That special VAT rate of 9% come February, it'll go back up to 13.5%. Your reaction to that? Yeah, look, we've been pretty clear on this one. Um, that not alone should it be kept at 9%. It should be kept at 9% permanently. Uh, this is just a perennial up and down and back and forth. Uh, our hospitality, right through the cycles, we need to have a competitive proposition and that rates in, in our competitor jurisdictions for tourists have lower rates than us. It makes sense to take that VAT uh, story every time we come to it, up and down, back and forth. Just leave it at 9% and be done with it. Um, so that's, I think it's a missed opportunity. There's a frustration in the system around perceptions of price gouging and so on as well. But they're a fundamental of mismatch between demand and supply. That won't always be the case in the hospitality sector. Um, unfortunately, it's cyclical. There'll be calls for it to be reduced again in future years. It'd be much better if that was put on a permanent uh, setting and left at 9%. Danny McCoy, the CEO of IBEC. Danny, pleasure as always. Thanks so many for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.